0: And now, from God's Unchanging Word Studios in New Orleans, we are pleased to bring
1: you news, nuggets, and insights with today's host, Tom Carey. Well, greetings, everyone, and welcome to God's Unchanging Word and another edition for our news, nuggets, and insights. And today is Friday, January 21st, 2022, and we are moving into our year very quickly with a lot of information. I'm going to bring you up to date on what happened at the renewal with our booth In Florida on January the 8th. Then we're going to move right into the headlines. What are the headlines telling us? It's interesting that people around the world seem to understand that they got a lot of problems. The problem is they don't understand how they relate to the return of Jesus Christ, and thus you see a lot of bad information and a lot of false information from prophecy experts. And then we're going to go into the second part of Twelfth Night and its connection to Mardi Gras and it is a lot of information. We're going to continue to share there. Information from all the way back to 2018. So let's first of all, let's get into the Truth Booth. <laughs> Quite interesting. Pull that up, Jeff. Let's take a look at and see what that is there. The Truth Booth. That's a little title that was given by uh, one of our members here in New Orleans, Mary Bear. And she made a lot of those little signs. And she was calling it the Truth Booth. And God willing, we get a chance to go to more places this coming year or maybe in the years ahead and we'll call it the traveling truth booth (laughs) for bringing God's truth. It had a nice ring to it so we wanted to share that. So in case you didn't know the renewal that's the second part of a revival so to speak that the churches are pulling together to try to get everyone to go back to God and to renew the covenant which covenant we brought out just a few weeks ago people don't understand exactly what it is. So from all appearances, the trip that we had was very successful. But uh, I want to make a note on the, atten- uh, the attendance there is that for some reason, the attendance, what they thought was going to be there, wasn't. And there's probably a good reason for that. Someone bought up around 7,000 of their tickets. They were expecting 10,000 people, and they had 7,000 tickets. So if people were looking to go to the event, pretty much tickets were sold out. And we've seen that happen in political campaigns where you have a, a certain party or a group of people who are trying to bring it to ruin, will buy up the tickets and try to get the attendance down to make it look bad. And we got a bad feeling that's what happened to them down in Florida, because they were all excited that they were sold out and expecting nearly 10,000 people. Well, probably 2,500 to 3,000 people were actually there. Could have been a little more, a little less. It's, Hard to tell because people came and went all during the day because it ran from 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock. We need to pray about that for the next time. So we were able to send 11 volunteers from three different states to be able to go down and man the booth. And people were very excited to get the information and the representatives we had there. They spent the day talking to a lot of different people. We gave away over 3,000 items, and over 1,000 of that was DVDs. A lot of information. They actually put them in bags and stuffed them, put stickers. We put cards in. And so we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But here's the scripture I want to bring out. I, this is from the Apostle Paul to to the Corinthians, says, I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gives the increase. So what we've done is we've planted, and hopefully they'll follow through and we'll do some watering. And at some point in time, whoever God hopefully has called some of those who were there, will come forth and accept Jesus Christ as we understand the truth that God's given to us and be called a part of the faith in the church that God began with Jesus Christ. So that's what we're hoping for. But I'll share you one more piece of information that was very exciting. And it was when people signed up, we had about five pages of names, some with addresses, some with just emails, of people said, yeah, they want to get more information. Of the five pages, we actually had 33 of those people were already on the program you're watching today, News Nuggets and Insights, which was really a surprise to us because you see we were going to an area that we basically felt we had no contact with, but these are people from those outside the church who are actually attending this event had already gotten information about News Nuggets and Insights, and 33 of them were already on the on the uh, mailing list, so that's encouraging for us to show that this program is actually getting getting out in reaching people who are not in the church. So here's our truth booth as it's set up. We put the banners behind it, and they had a, a, a patriotic theme to it. You'll see that. It says the duty of all nations, talking about God, and that's what we're looking at when we were there. This is Don Trumbull. This is a, a minister out of Worldwide Church of God from many years ago, and he was also department head at Big Sandy, and he was, they called him the ambassador. He was, he was a real trooper down there, been able to share God's word, so if you entered the event, basically this is what you saw going in, and we were able to get a booth that we actually had two different locations where people went in and where they went out. So here we have uh, Chuck Baker's family. That's his children there that you're seeing. They were big helps for getting everything set up, and there's uh, uh, Clayton and uh, and May uh, from New Orleans teams here, who are actually at the volunteering to go down to Florida. And so they're setting up and getting ready for the people to come in. A little bit close-up of the table, as they came to the table, you'll see the sign-up list on the right corner, some of the brochures and some of the material that they were giving away. So all throughout the day, you had people walking around with that bag, which was a really good idea. Deborah, one of our team members, came up with the idea to have these bags. So we gave them the bags and put stickers on them, so all day long they were walking around, you see, The Gods Unchanged, your word, News Nuggets and Insides, walking all around that stadium all day long. So we gave away over about 300, I believe it was, of those bags, uh, and we stuffed them with a lot of material. Here's another gentleman, Roland. Uh, Roland's actually from New Orleans, and he had the second booth area, and he's got the hat that looks like he's British, in case you're wondering over there. So he and his wife manned that table. And there's our team together as they were getting ready to begin. Uh, There's a a potential member (laughs) coming to the booth that Clayton's talking to. And, of course, when it was all wrapped up, I asked everyone if they would, while it was fresh in their minds, if they would simply just get together somewhere for dinner and do a little little post-review of the day, how it went, and some pluses and minuses and things we can improve for next time. So what we were hoping for, if this was successful, and from the initial appearances it was very successful, uh, that we could get to and do this again and see how we can better reach more people at the next event. So I want to thank you from all of us here at uh, God's Unchanged Word Church of God Ministries International for being able to get there and uh, actually people actually send in extra funds even to help cover the cost when we didn't ask. and it shows you God's people are very generous. So we want to thank you and now we need to ask you one more thing. Now we need to ask you pray continue to pray that whoever received this information, that God would inspire their minds, that they would follow through. And we have information that was put on the materials we gave away to help us track that if it came in, it came from that area, so we'll know how well or how bad we're doing by the material that comes in. So anyway, we want to thank everybody, and it gives you an update on basically where we're at. One more event coming up is again, so this comes out on Friday, so tomorrow on January 22nd in uh, Syracuse, Indiana, Steve Council and the group up there will be pulling together mi- Michigan and northern Indiana for a spaghetti social. So they have a smaller community, and the church is actually downtown on one of the main streets. So what they're doing is they're running an ad. They're actually going to give them, believe it or not, a front-page spot in their newspaper down there, and they're going to give an ad on the inside that the... Uh, but been able to run this specific weekend and pray they get good weather. Last week they had about 10 inches of snow. So this may not have been the best time, I don't know, but it might be. Maybe people will be locked in with Snowbound. But anyway, they're going to do an open house social for spaghetti to meet and greet to get to know the community. And that church that they're in up there has been a Sabbath-keeping church for a lot of years. So we're hoping that we can rekindle some of the love that people might have had at one particular time when they went to that church. And who knows what they can accomplish. So Steve and, and pray for them this coming weekend that it will go well for them. So they got a lot, lot going on. And this is more important than ever that we stay on top of outreach, particularly in the times that we live today. All right, here we go. You can't make this stuff up. We've got something I'm bringing back in now that seems to have showed his ugly head once more that we began back in 2018 telling you about, they are back and they're gaining ground. The after-school Satan Clubs. Yeah, You can't make it up. They're actually in schools across the nation now. They're gaining ground, just like with uh, going to public libraries and teaching kids about transgenderism. Well, now these Satan Clubs now have worked their way into the school system for after-school, the after-school Satan Clubs. We began talking about that several years ago, there's August 24, 2018. So if you want to go back, we spent a lot of time back there talking about this, showing how that's going to continue to push and gain ground around the country. And here we are a few years later, and it actually has. This was talking about it back then, was pushing Satanism on our children, and that's what we're doing around the country. Now it has reached all the way into the heartland of Illinois. School districts in Illinois are having a problem, and they're saying... They're not promoting it. They're not pushing it. They're not sponsoring it. But there are people who are, and they have no legal right to stop them. They have every legal right to do that. This is coming out from someone from the Satan Club. This is from June Everett, who is the campaign director for after-school Satan Clubs, and ordained minister of the Satanic Temple. It says, The temple offers clubs as the alternative to good news clubs, Christian gatherings that are run by evangelical organizations, that offer Bible and faith lessons after school. So if you're tired of that good news and you're tired of faith and you're tired of worshiping God, we got a plan for you. It's Satan. Unbelievable. That's that's their campaign slogan. If you're tired of that, you can come turn to us. And we wonder why the children grow up and don't want to worship God. Well, this is a really good example of what's going on around the country and it needs to be stopped. If nobody went to it, they wouldn't have a following. But anyway, I wanted to bring that out to you so that if you know of anybody in these areas, be sure the parents are aware of what's going on and keep their kids out of these kind of schools. All righty, headline news. <clears throat> you know, we're living in a society that's continuing to change and to deteriorate. And people see it. They 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 don't understand where they are in their march to return of Jesus Christ. And because of that, there's a lot of bad information out there and a lot of false prophecies that continue to be perpetrated on mankind. And when you look at the Bible and it tells us about the first four seals, one of the things is false Christ. And so as we continue to push the truth as we return to Jesus Christ, this world moves further and further away. So I want to show you today just a few of the things that are going on about that. Look what the book of Amos says in Amos 3, verse 7. Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he reveal his secret unto his servants, the prophets. This is talking about those who have been called out and showing us. So as we're seeing some of the events that are taking place, that are, that are marching to the return of Jesus Christ, the world see things too. But they, they misunderstand what they're looking at, and they put a lot of bad information out there. Discerning the times is what's important. In Luke twelve fifty four through 56, Jesus told his disciples, he said it unto the people. It says, when you see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway you say there comes a shower, and it is so. And when you see the south winds blow, you say that there will be heat, and it comes to pass. He says, you hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and the earth. How is it that you do not Discern this time. So that's the same question we could ask right now. The world sees that there's things going on, just like the clouds and just like the the wind. They see the events taking place. They see crime on the rise. They see the evil that's taking place, the murder, how many people are murdered, and people just now they just have a percentage of hundreds of times, 100% going above what it was last year and the year before that. Last year, we had over 100,000 people die of overdoses. Now, they can see all that, but they cannot tell what's causing it. It's because they're not looking to God. And that's what Jesus was saying. So here we are in a world that's steeped in iniquity. And look what Matthew 24, 12 says. Now, what I'm going to show you, if you leave that up there, Jeff, is that that picture there, I'm showing you pictures out of the headlines of the same article that came out, and they're right on target. It says... How Lindsay's sowing lawlessness to reap a police state. Matthew 24 says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And we're seeing that. And one of the things we'll talk about today that we're seeing is with COVID. If a person doesn't feel they want to get the vaccine, all of a sudden they are one of the most hated people on the face of the earth. And believe it or not, that hatred now is being perpetrated onto the churches. So let's go on. Take a look at the next one here. Nations are making the unvaccinated and the religious the dredge of our society. Here's another headline right out the, right out the news Quebec announces plans to charge the unvaccinated significant health contribution f- fee. Now, you're going to be fined. You don't want to get vaccinated? Fine. Pay fine on it. And they cannot now distinguish, believe it or not, there's no distinguishable separation between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Now, they're saying that if you're unvaccinated, that you have a chance to be in worse condition. While that may be partially true, many of the people now who are going back into hospitals have been given the two shots and a booster. So they can no longer say that if you get vaccinated, you're not going to get it. All they can tell us now, because there's no way to separate it yet, is that those who are in the hospital, how bad it gets versus those who are not. So right now, they're right in between that scale there because they've had to change their plans. Look at this one. The Biden administration making list of religious vaccine objectors. Now, here's the problem, and we knew this was coming, is you have to have a trigger to create the attack. All right? Remember, we're we, we moving to, what is all this moving to? the mark of the beast, where you cannot buy or sell. So now what they're doing is they're taking the unvaccinated and they're putting together now, because there's many of the religious people who just don't want to get vaccinated. They just they wanted to trust their body to God rather than vaccinate it. You know, and there's nothing wrong with being vaccinated. If you want to be vaccinated, then be vaccinated. If you don't, too, then, then don't be vaccinated. But here's the problem. Because the narrative goes against the government, Now you're a subversive. You're anti-government. And many of those people are religious. And so now you're seeing them go after the religious and they're starting to make lists for those who do not want to get vaccination. Here's what Isaiah says. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, put bitter for sweet. All right, this is again, that's another, I didn't make this picture up. That's a headline that I just pulled right off, the, right off the pages. It says, calling evil good, the left is winning the battle for America's soul. We began hearing that before the last election. The soul of America, because see, that's what's going on now. Satan has to win the souls over to him to get him away from God before the return of Jesus Christ. But here's a scripture they don't normally quote after they read Isaiah 520. Woe to them that are wise in their own eyes, the prudent in their own sight. and Woe to them that are mighty to drink wine, men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteous, for the righteous from him. So here's what's going on. And we're seeing that now, especially in government. They're taking, they're turning over people for money. You know, so what are you doing? Well, how did these politicians come out of office being so rich? multi-million dollars in their bank accounts when they're running a job that has nowhere near the kind of pay that they have when they get out. They justify the wicked for reward. So what, what we're seeing now is that, continue, that rise at levels unprecedented in modern times. And we're not being able to do a thing about it. Here's another one. L.A. Times columnist, columnist doubles down on mocking the deaths of the unvaccinated. It's actually a story that came out and a person began to make fun of those who are unvaccinated who died. And then when they asked him about it, he, came, he doubled down and says he said, absolutely. And then mock the people because they need to be vaccinated. The LA Times published an op-ed that encourages the mocking of the unvaccinated people who die of COVID. Unbelievable, but it's true. Can you believe just everybody dancing on the graves of the people who died? So that's what we're seeing going on. Now, let's take all that information and let's put it to play in world news. See, that's what they see, and this is actually what's happening, although they can't seem to put the two and two together. On the World Watch, the global unrest in Europe. All right, so it's growing. The COVID-19 restrictions and the changing of the laws for lockdowns. Now, this is about a four-minute to five-minute video I have here about what's going on in Europe. Remember now, all of this is eventually going to lead into a mark of the beast where you cannot buy or sell. Let's play that video and I'll be back in a few minutes.
0: When I talked to American Alicia Durin and her German husband Andreas, they were packing, trying to get out of Germany as quickly as possible with their three children. They've had enough of Germany's strict COVID policies. Europe is in the midst of an uprising of the unvaccinated pitting citizens who refuse to get the jab against governments that want the pandemic to end. And neither side is backing down. Nation by nation, Europe is turning into a two-tiered society in which those who refuse to be vaccinated will live under lockdown without full access to society or jobs, facing fines and even jail. Four the Dorans are leaving Germany after Andreas became unable to work because of COVID restrictions.
2: I'm not allowed to work anywhere anymore really without you know providing a um, yeah proof of vaccination or a recovery. Well, there's also no more privacy. Like you go into the bakery and the cashier will loudly ask you uh, for your vaccine pass if you want to go have a cup of coffee and you and and are you vaccinated very loudly the discrimination is terrible
0: it's a similar story across Europe in Italy the unvaccinated now must take a COVID test every 48 hours if they want to live a free life Gunnar Beck a German member of the European Parliament calls Europe's COVID policies dangerously authoritarian
2: I mean we're not talking about the black death here. I'm not even sure the black death would warrant the effective suspension of the rule of law, uh, constitutional government and democracy.
0: Austria is ground zero for the world's toughest COVID policies. The unvaccinated have already been in lockdown for almost a month. And next year we'll have to pay $4,000 in fines every three months, unless they not only get vaccinated, but get booster shots. Eric Hewitt is an American living in Austria with his wife and five children. The government is attempting to transform the society into a totalitarian police state. Hewitt's unvaccinated children have been kicked out of music school for refusing daily COVID tests. When shopping, their family is only allowed to enter grocery stores and pharmacies. The toy store. (laughs) Wouldn't let my wife in to buy a toy for a birthday medical privacy still a law in Austria has been breached by the government the state knows who has and who hasn't been vaccinated and there are fears the government will use vaccine passports to include new Chinese style digital identities Catholic activist Alexander Chuguel says Austrians have become the lab rats of the Western world and believes the Austrian experiment will spread do you want a government which enforces Um, things like abortion, homosexual marriage, other things. So a government which definitely shows that they do not only not follow the teaching of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but rather fight against it. Do you want them to have every information available and full control of where you are allowed to go and where you are not allowed to go, like in China? I say no, and that's the reason we go and protest. Hewitt has decided to stay in Austria and fight. God has placed me at
1: a critical battle in the spiritual war. The whole society is becoming this inhuman machine based on fear and repression. And so what we want, I want to restore a human society.
0: But the Dorans in Germany have had enough. It's beautiful when people want to stay and fight, but we, we feel like
2: the, the fight is lost here
0: they see germany laying the groundwork for its own nationwide vaccine mandate that could include children germany's COVID restrictions have been so draconian this german mother says her 10-year-old daughter wants to die beck believes if germany introduces a vaccine mandate the eu will follow with a european-wide mandate most europeans are vaccinated although far fewer have gotten boosters in Sweden, enthusiastic citizens are voluntarily injecting their vaccine passports into their hands in the form of readable microchips. The protest against Europe's COVID policies are now as far-flung as Barcelona to Brussels to Kiev in Ukraine to Zagreb in the Balkans, where this Croatian IT expert said, I came here to fight against fascism, totalitarianism, these insane restrictions and insane politicians. Protesters are demanding what they used to take for granted. Freedom. Dale Hurd, CBN News.
1: Wow. All that information. The only reason you're not seeing it here in the United States is because of the Constitution. It wouldn't be for that Constitution, what you're seeing going on over there is, would be here. Let me bring out just a couple things from what you just saw. That minister there, he said, I'm here to fight the spiritual battle, because that's what this is. People don't realize the physical that's going on actually transposes itself into the spiritual battle for the soul of of the people on this planet. One more thing I wanna bring out before I move on here is that if you remember from World War II, remember World War II, where did the evil actually begin? One person out of Austria. And it's interesting that it's Austria now that their concern has set the pace and the stage for the rest of Europe to follow. And Germany is right on its heels because see Adolf Hitler was from Austria and then he moved into Germany. And you're seeing it take place right now in a spiritual battle that you and I live. All right, let's move on because I'm going to run out of time. I want to bring this out. I actually began last week with this chart that I'm bringing you and I added to it. And I used it this past week in a sermon that I just delivered. So I want to bring that in again right here because... I bring in both at News and Nuggets and I bring things into sermons because some people see one and not the other or vice versa. So what I want to bring out is to make sure that we all understand that from what we're seeing, the appearance of time as our march towards Jesus Christ comes, this helps pinpoint where we could be at this specific time. So take a look at this. COVID-19 actually began to change everything in our society it has become the weapon that has breached the walls of our Constitution and the minds and our hearts of countless millions of people around the world. The questions that I asked is in the breach in the spiritual battle. If, if Satan can breach your mind to separate you, where you out? right, where you out, and that's what the sermon was, wearing out of the elect. Where does that breach begin? So you have to go back again to World War II, as I was just mentioned, Adolf Hitler. What made it in the minds of the millions of Jews that simply gave in to the government and just walked into the death camps by the millions and died? So we're at that stage right now. It's like you see one minister over there in Germany, that video, he's standing there for the fight. The other family says, I can't fight. The battle's over. We're leaving. So you're seeing all this come into play right now. So if we looked at this on a larger scale, so we're looking at this time frame. So we're looking at God's seven-year periods from 2015 to 2022, which we believe is a Shemitah year, then from 2022 to 2029. If we understand the breach, we go back into the Bible from the physical. If a king was going was to attack a city, what they do is they surround the city first. And then after a period of time, when they have weakened them enough, they break down the walls and they're able to go in. And during that seizure period, the city's starving, they're dying, the health issues. Well, you've seen some of that in that video you just saw where people said, look, we can't fight no more. The lady says, my 10 year old, she just wants to die. So they're seeing that breach in the people's minds and I can't keep fighting this. Well, it hasn't hit us as hard here as around the rest of the world. But you need to note it, it's going to come. All right, so you had to seize, if we look at the period of time from 2015 to 2020. And the breach when COVID came from 2020 to 2022, where we are today, is the mindset for the United States to be able to give up its freedom, to turn its freedom over to the government and the government tell us what to do. You'd have never got away with the getting away with now before COVID, And we know by the time the fourth seal comes and 25% of the planet is destroyed, the laws that will come into place that will lock people down and lock them up will begin to move. You're going to, you're going to make those choices. You won't be able to buy or to sell. So we, I gave a sermon back in 2018, talked about America under siege, of what we were beginning to see, how evil was surrounding the minds of God's people. I gave a sermon in December of 2021 called Repairing the Breach. That's online. In fact, you can order that right now. It's still in print. We can send that to you if you, if you can't get online. And then the one I just did just, just last Sabbath was the wearing out of the saints, God's people. So all of these things come into play. So when I look at the time frame we're in, if you look at where that star is, I believe we're at the time between the breach and the assault. So when it comes down to the assault in the spiritual realm, we understand that Satan begins to move his weapons of choice to be able to attack God's people. So you're beginning to see lockdowns of churches. You're seeing the attack of conservative Christians. You're beginning to see all of that moving into place right now. As the events in society continue to worsen, as we move to that fourth seal, More and more people are going to be sick and more and more people are going to die. There'll be more wars taking place. There'll be more unstableness around the world. In this particular area, you will see the continue of the assault on your freedoms to be able to worship God. We talked about that in the wearing down of the saints. Now, let's move this over now and let's look at that in a closer range of a seven year period instead of the 14 year period. So are we at that period of time at the beginning of the attacks? I think we are. Time will tell, and the next two years will be, give us a better idea. Now, while we don't know specifically day by day what it will come, we do know this is coming. And we don't know how, how soon it will be or how long it will be. And that's the thing about this. With God, we, we can see the season, we can, we can judge the fig tree, but we don't know the exact time element that God is pulling the plug on these things. If we took this time, we could move it over a couple of years, or we could start now. Well, so here we have to follow what God takes and where he takes us. Let's look at Deuteronomy 28, 21. This much we know. The Lord shall make a pestilence which shall cleave unto you until he has consumed you from off the land. Is 2020 that period of time where that pestilence come and it's not going to leave us? Well, the health experts are telling us now it ain't leaving. We're going to live with it until we die, is what they're telling us. So it's a real good chance we're at that period of time. We also know that by the time the fourth seal comes, a, tw- a fourth of the population around the world will be destroyed. So we know we're not there yet. So we can gather from all information that we are somewhere between there and the fourth seal. We could have already entered into the first or second seal because these seem to overlap one another. Or we could begin to see an escalation in the very near future. We also know that we have not had the persecution of the elect. So, for example, we're still able to meet every Sabbath freely, and we're not under persecution as God's church. It talks about the persecution of the elect, not just conservative Christians, but those people who've been called out who know the truth. That period of time lasts about three and one-half years. So take a look at this headline, one more headline. Bone-chilling feds launching a system to collect religious information on the unvaccinated. Let me pull that back up there. So they're doing now here in America, just like they did, you just saw in that that video, that's taking place to collect the information on the religious unvaccinated. That's pretty terrifying. They're setting up all the tools they need to assault and silence the opposition. We're seeing that. Let me back that up again. Here we saw on Friday, June 25th, we brought it out, the new U.S. domestic terrorism from June 25th. We showed you that was coming, and now they've set up a division now of the federal government to actually put it into play from that point. Domestic Terrorist Committee, A.G. Garland, to facilitate the new... Terror objective the former Obama administration AG Lisa Monaco, uh, Monaco is reconvening the domestic terrorism executive committee. So now they're beginning the committee that's going to go back and put all this information just like they did back in the 90s. I got one more video here before we come into the, to the second half of the program. This is what they're doing in, Aust- in uh, Australia against churches. Let's play that video.
0: Australia consists of six states and two territories, each with their own COVID restrictions. Under a new home quarantine plan for international travelers, if you don't send the government your photo and location when it sends you a text, the police will come to your door. Melbourne pastor Paul Furlong has been arrested three times and placed in solitary confinement for opening his church during the lockdowns.
2: The reason I did was for what I believe was a a greater law, and that was to obey the word of God.
3: And so uh, I had to choose God's law over man's law.
0: This church in Sydney, shown before the lockdown, was raided and fined for holding what authorities called an illegal service and for not scanning people's phones before they entered some pastors are now concerned that the government could require a vaccine passport before entering a church we asked evan Mulholland at australia's conservative think tank the institute of public affairs if he still considers australia a free country
2: well it's a good question it's a question a lot of people across the political spectrum have been asking these things don't happen in a vacuum they happen when
0: the political and cultural elites slowly take away our freedoms and they become normalized Australians have also begun turning in one another to authorities, East German style. In this tweet, an Australian mother was desperate to find a way home with her son and needed to cross a state border, violating lockdown restrictions. She was turned in to police. With this kind of behavior, you might think many thousands of Australians have died from COVID. But the death toll is under 1,200 out of a nation of 25 million people. 4.0047% 4.0047% of the population. Almost three times that many Australians die every week from normal causes. But one poll showed most Australians favor living without freedom because they fear COVID more than any other Western nation.
1: The, the media has just scared people senseless. The average person thinks if I catch this, I'm gonna die.
0: There have been several large and sometimes violent demonstrations against the lockdowns and against planned vaccine passports, and hundreds have been arrested. The government says the death toll would have been much worse without lockdowns and is saying now that life can only return to normal when most of the country is vaccinated. They describe uh, giving back our freedoms as some sort of a treat, as
2: some sort of a reward. Uh, something that can be given back to us and aren't our fundamental freedoms that were stolen from us in the first place.
0: The Australian journalist Clive James once said the problem with Australians is not that so many of them are descended from convicts, but that so many are descended from prison officers. It's a quote that's being talked about a lot these days.
1: (laughs) That's interesting, isn't it? I tell you, that's kind of terrifying when you think about it because that's the kind of news that's going to be hitting our doors... Sometime in the future, we need to understand that because, see, once the mind is breached that you have given in to the authorities and given up your freedom, they will tell you how far and what you can do or can't do. Taking away the freedom to be able to worship God as we understand it. All right, let's take a break. We're going to watch a video. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about part two of Mardi Gras. So let me leave you with this little question. There was a famous movie with remakes... Stage plays in New York and even a Disney movie with a special song about Twelfth Night. Do you have any idea what it is? We're going to talk about that in today's segment of Mardi Gras and its connection to Twelfth Night, Christmas and Easter. Take a look at this video and I'll be right back. Well, that's it for our program today. We're going to come back next week, and we're going to bring you part three of Mardi Gras, Twelfth Night, and its connection to Christmas and Easter. And let me start again. Yeah, because that ain't it for the program. Well, I know, but I'm going to go into the uh, update of the work. All All right. Yeah, okay, I got everything moving again. You ready? Okay. All right, next week, we're going to come back next week and bring you part three on Mardi Gras, Twelfth night and its connection with Christmas and Easter. That is the linchpin that brings it all together of Satan's plan of destruction versus God's plan of salvation. All right, let's begin to wrap it up now from the home office today, January 21st. This is the series that we've been talking about right now because it runs all the way from Christmas all the way to Easter. These three days... See, Mardi Gras is the missing link. People don't understand but it connects Christmas to Easter. So we recommend go online. We don't have all these in print right now, but you can get them online, watch them. You can watch them one right after the other and see how they all connect together and show you how Satan has created this plan of deception. In the mail last week, that's this week, right? All right, that's going out this week. conduct, Conduct Worthy by Chuck Hunt Jr., And on January 14th, News, Nuggets, and Insights, so that you can actually get part one of Twelfth Night. Actually, put put it in the mail. We'll send it to you. In case you don't get News, Nuggets, and Insights, be sure to ask for it, and we'll send it to you. In the mail this month was the January newsletter and the DVD offering, Repairing the Breach. Very important sermon in the time frame that we live into connecting all the information that's going on right now that's affecting our lives. So that's it. That's it. And boy, I tell you, there's a lot of snow out there. We need to continue to pray for all the brethren in the north and in the northeast who's going through 10, 12, 14 inches or more of snow over the last week or two, and they're just beginning to get it into the winter season. So now as we begin to close our program, we've got one more video we want to bring to you. It's called... Glory to the Lord. Take a look and we'll be right back. Let's bring in Mardi Gras and a little fact that you may not know. All right. So I'm going to bring this in about a song. This was a famous song and a famous musical. Actually, it was a movie that was made. It was a stage play in New York and even Disney. Disney made a very uh, flamboyant, very colorful uh, movie that we took our children to years ago. And people still take to today as they rent this movie with a special song. Believe it or not the song centers around and talks about Twelfth Night, which is the start of Mardi Gras. But before I tell you what it is, it's, it's a tune called Topsy-Turvy, and I don't want to tell you where it comes from. See if you can guess what it is. Write it down, see if you know what it is. Let me show you the lyrics that are in the song. Because I listened to this song. Actually, Audrey found this song, and she says, you're not going to believe this. but So I went and listened to it, and I couldn't understand all the words because it moves so fast. And it's so, it's so uh, energetic and upbeat and colorful. But look at the words to this song. It starts off with, I'm not going to read all the lyric. I just want to go through them. It says, come one, come all. Leave your loops, your milking stews. Coop the hens and pin the mules. Come one, come all. Look what it says. I'm going to highlight the things I want to bring out in yellow. Close the churches and the schools. It's the time for breaking rules. And come and join the Feast of Fools. <laughs> there it is. The Feast of Fools. Interesting. That's a, everybody join into the Feast of Fools. It goes on talking about a party they throw once a year. It says, We turn all Paris upside down. Every man's a king, and every king's a clown. It's topsy turvy day. It's the day the devil in us gets released. In whatever bad that's in us, whatever, you think it's comical, it's nice, it's just going to have a great time. But this is literally a takeoff of what goes on in real life. It's the day that the devil in us gets released. It's the day we mock the prig and shock the priest. Everything is topsy-turvy at the Feast of Fools. Going on. Join the bums and thieves and trump- trumpets. I know he's just become a part of the debauchery and the sin and the lawlessness that takes place. And look when it takes place, on the 6th of January. How about that? On the 6th of January. Now look at the bottom of my slide. Twelfth night, the beginning of Monte is the 6th of January. So this whole song centers around and where does it start? on the 6th of January. That's actually a lyric in the song going on. It says, "Now's the time we crown the king of fools. And so you look at Mardi Gras, and what do we have? We have King Rex. He comes through the city on this day of fools and revelry with the thieves and all the stuff that goes on, and they stop at Galia Hall here in New Orleans, and they crown him king of Mardi Gras. And this song says, now's the time we crown him king of fools. So make a face that's horrible and frightening, for the face that's the ugliest will be the king of fools. Going on, there's just a couple more. So it says, put on your fileless features on display. Put your filer's features on display. So when you look at the news for Mardi Gras, this is pretty much what you're seeing and you go down to the French Quarter and down on Bourbon Street and all through that area, it gets pretty, pretty, well, I don't know how to describe it other than the, the debauchery of what goes on down there. And it goes on now. This is the last one. And it's the day we do the things we deplore on the other 364. Nice rhyme behind that, huh? So this is the day we do the things we deplore on the rest of the 364. And then it goes on, where the beer is never stopping, and pick a, pin, pick, a king, I'm sorry, pick a king and put him on the top. So whoever is the greatest of the fools, the worst, the lowest, that becomes the king on Mardi Gras. Well, there's the lyrics that we go through. I went through real quick. Any guess? All right, any guess? All right, so let me show you who it is. The video we're going to play in just a second. So any guess what it's from? The Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's right, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Got a little little video here, runs a little over three and a half minutes, so let's play that video, and I'll be right back.
2: All parties upside down. Every man's a king and every king's a clown. Once again, it's topsy turvy day. It's the day that their marioners get released. It's the day we mock the pig and sharp their priest. Everything is topsy turvy at the feast of fools. Everything is upside down. <laughs> Everyone is acting crazy. is gold and weeds are up to pay the way on top every day party, party. beat the drums and blow the trumpets party, party. join the bums and things and streaming yeah. screaming yeah. in from chartre to calais curvy name extra scurvy on the 6th of January all oh, because it's topsy curvy day. <laughs> come one come all Hurry, honey here's your chance see the mystery and romance come one Come all, see the finest girl in France Make an entrance to entrance Dance la Esmerelda moment you've been waiting for. Here it is. You know exactly what's in store. Now's the time we laugh until our sides get sore. Now's the time we crown the king of fools. You all remember last year's king. So make a face that's horrible and frightening. Make a face as gruesome as a gargoyle's wing. For the face that's ugliest will be the king of fools. Why? Folks, forget your shyness. You could soon be called your highness. Be the king of Poppy Purdy Day.
1: Just good, clean humor, just a little bit of fun. Or is it? I'm going to talk about that now for the rest of our program. So what we're going to do, I'm going to play a video from you. We played last week on Mardi Gras. It's a brief history, a little over four minutes long. Gives you a background just in case you missed last week's program. We wanted to play it again today, and we tied in a bunch of pieces and clips of information about Mardi Gras. So play this little video, and we'll be right back to cover the biblical portion of Mardi Gras.
3: Anyway, it's said, no other holiday boasts more lively music, bead throwing, mask wearing, eating, drinking, or parading. Partiers around the world are encouraged to let it all hang out. The origins of Mardi Gras are rooted in ancient spring festivals and raucous Roman celebrations. By the 5th century, Christian church leaders realized their new converts weren't about to give up their pagan holidays. In medieval times, the celebrations became known as Carnival, a celebration of merriment that preceded Lent, Lent being the Catholic 40-day period of fast beginning on Ash Wednesday and ending on Easter Sunday. At the time, no animal meat could be consumed during Lent. So on Shrove Tuesday, the day before Lent, European Christians would eat all the remaining meat, eggs, milk, and cheese in their homes. In France, this was called Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. As the influence of the Catholic Church spread, so did the pre-Lenten festivities. By the end of the 16th century, Mardi Gras was officially penciled into the calendar throughout Europe. Europeans who explored the New World brought, among other things, the carnival holiday. Over time, Montreal, Rio de Janeiro, and most famously, New Orleans became new carnival capitals. The French and French Canadians who settled in southwestern Louisiana during the 17th century let loose on Mardi Gras with masked balls. But when Spain took political control of the area, the masked balls were outlawed as suspicious behavior. By the mid-1820s, after New Orleans had become a U.S. city, the ban on masks was lifted. And in 1827, it became legal to wear masks on the streets during Mardi Gras, giving the carnival a new face. The party got a bit wilder in 1837 with the first New Orleans Mardi Gras parade. Over the next several years, the annual parade was marred by violent outbursts. City leaders debated ending the custom when in 1857, a secret society of men called the Mystic Crew of Comus organized a new kind of parade. Floats and ornate costumes dazzled the crowd and proved the parade could be both safe and festive. After the Civil War, more crews joined in the New Orleans Mardi Gras these organizations ushered in new customs and themes like Mardi Gras official colors green gold and purple the official anthem if I ever cease to love you and the official king of Mardi Gras Rex for the 10 days leading up to Ash Wednesday crews crowded the narrow streets of New Orleans French Quarter by the end of the 1960s Super featuring elaborate floats and celebrity guests of honor, brought in tourists to the Mardi Gras celebration. In New Orleans, and throughout the whole world, Carnival has become a multi-billion dollar party. In times of natural disaster, like the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina in 2005, Mardi Gras was downplayed a bit. And in times of war, the celebration was outright cancelled. But there is always the promise of its return. And that's a pledge that has been kept by centuries of priests and partiers alike.
1: that gives you just a little brief history in the background behind what goes on around Mardi Gras and of course what goes on around New Orleans now let's talk about what goes on scripturally the little nuggets portion so we want to talk about the connection of Mardi Gras to Christianity and if you didn't see our program last week what you're about to hear today will shock you 12th night Mardi Gras so let's give a quick review of what we covered last week just just one quick review in one of the slides we began talking about Twelfth Night, and Twelfth Night is the beginning of Mardi Gras. It actually begins 12 days from Christmas. begins counting from December 26 to January 6. You can trace it back into our, our heritage and things that is, goes on with plays like Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare in, in his program that he wrote back in 1601 and 1602. We talked about it's called The Epiphany, So the twelfth night is supposedly, scripturally, when the kings brought the gifts to the baby Jesus in a manger. Of course, if you understood the history behind the Bible, you'll see that there was no way possible that they could have brought these gifts to Jesus anywhere near or around the time of January. We talked about the king cakes and its roots and how the king cakes actually came from pancakes, and it was like a gift, and inside that pancake or today the king cakes is what we're looking at is a baby and in this this baby here is that they would get the king cake they would bring the lowest of the people like you've seen in that Topsy Turvy they would participate in eating this cake and whoever got the baby would literally be the king of carnival so today it is actually translated into king cakes uh, during the 12th night so that Every day, somebody would get a king cake. Whoever got the baby would buy the king cake the next day. So they would rule as king for a day, so to speak, at that time. We also talked about Rex, the king of Montegraw, and we showed you how the bull leads that parade, very similar to in the Bible that we see when Israel departed from God and when they left Egypt, when Moses was on the mountain. What was the first thing they did? They, they, they built a golden calf and said, These be thy gods, O Israel. So on this day, the worst day, the debauchery, the topsy-turvy, on this particular day, the King Rex is being led, just like in that video where you see that little jester, which is a type of a Satan, leading people into the debauchery. Here on the parade, on Rex, you see the bull leading King Rex down uh, the Saint Charles Avenue, where he is toasted as King of Montegraw on Fat Tuesday. So now we left you with two questions. All right, we're going to cover the first question. We introduced the question with this: the period of time from Twelfth Night to Montegraw Fat Tuesday is the time where it takes evil takes control and rules. We asked the question, "What has this to do with Christmas and Easter?" Right, so we left you with that question. All right, so that's the first question. Let's cover it first. The timeline for Mardi Gras, we'll show you how it puts together, the timeline for Mardi Gras puts together Christmas and Easter. So let's put our timeline up. We begin our counting from December 25th. We go 12 days from December 25th. It brings us to January 6th, which we just covered, being Twelfth Night. Then from Twelfth Night, we go to Mardi Gras, which is, fact, Tuesday but if you do this and you actually got your piece of paper you looked at all the information that's given to you and you begin your count and you start going cuz you know you have to go from December 25th to 12th night to get you to Fat Tuesday the problem is you can't determine how to get to Fat Tuesday there's no information from Christmas to bring me to Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday so when you place the timeline for Mardi Gras, you run into a problem. You cannot establish a time for Christmas or Twelfth Night to set the time of Mardi Gras. So how do we determine Mardi Gras? Believe it or not, here's what you have to do. To find the time for Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, you must first establish the time for Easter and count back ways. All right, so the question was, what, what does Mardi Gras have to do with Christmas? Christmas and Easter? Well, what you're going to see is that Mardi Gras is the dividing line that pulls them all together. So if we did this, what would happen is you would take Easter and you would count back seven weeks, which was quite interesting. So when I began putting the timeline together, something very ominous began to appear. I'm counting back ways seven weeks. But from the scripture, I know that the very first, when Christ was crucified, He was resurrected, He ascended on Sunday morning, which is actually the time of Easter. Now, I know in God's calendar, it changes year by year. But on that time, the first time, the two were the same. The, the, the Easter, which is what Satan wants you to believe, versus the, the ascension by Jesus Christ, which is the wave sheath offering. It counts from the wave sheath, counts forward, seven weeks, even into the morrow after the seventh week. So what we're looking at here is that the, the anchors for, for the Christianity is, is two. It is Easter, and it is Christmas. The dividing line that connects the two, believe it or not, is Mardi Gras. See, for God's plan, He begins at Passover, the resurrection, the wave sheath, and begins counting forward. 49 days to the morrow after the 49th day, or 50, which brings you to Pentecost. But Satan wants you to start from here and go back ways, not looking forward. All right, so that's the beginning of the connection that we're talking about. How do you determine Easter? Believe it or not, it has nothing to do with the, with the death of Christ. Now, you would think that Easter has, is the resurrection, right? But it's not. It has nothing to do with Jesus' with crucifixion or his resurrection, this is how they determine Easter. The Easter, is, is, uh, Easter Sunday is calculated to be kept on the first Sunday after the first full moon occurring on or after the spring equinox. That's how they figure Easter. has nothing to do with Passover, the resurrection of Christ, or the wave sheath. That's how they determine Easter. So once you've determined that, then I count back seven weeks. Now what's amazing is You have 40 days of Lent, and I'm counting back 70 weeks. This period is not 49 days. It's only 46 days. And you don't count the six Sundays in the middle of it. That's that's like an off period. But you take those six days of Sundays off, then you have your 40 days of Lent. So if you're trying to figure all this out on your own, you can't. You'd have to go into the, the, the Catholic Encyclopedia to determine all of this. So you have your 40 days of Lent, which is talking like the 40 days that Moses was up in the mountain. So there's enough truth pulled in all it is to give you enough biblical foundation to say, well, this must be true. But it's all been a counterfeit perpetrated by Satan himself. All right, so now, here we have Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday as the center point. So let's focus on that now and the connections. So we have Twelfth Night Fat Tuesday and beginning of Lent. In the past, we viewed these items as individual, not part of a larger plan. But... When you view them as connected, they take on a whole new life just as God's holy day plan and all the seasons are connected to a larger plan. Deuteronomy 16:16 16, 16 says, three seasons so all you may, you may appear before the Lord in the place which he shall choose. Feast of unleavened bread, the feast of weeks and the feast of tabernacles and they appeared before the Lord not empty. So God has a plan which has three holy day seasons in it. So now when we begin to look at this, Just like in God's plan, we see that Satan's plan also has three seasons. So, what Satan is doing is he's creating a counterfeit directly opposite God's. So, you have now Twelfth Nights, which ties in Christmas, and you have Lent, which brings in Easter. So, when you put all these together, what do you have? You have the three seasons you have the Christmas season, you have Fat Tuesday, the day of debauchery, and you have Easter. So there's Satan's plan. He has three seasons, just like God has his three seasons. Fat Tuesday is the link that connects them all together. So now, let's look at what that is. Now, why is this important? and What has been hidden before our very eyes? The period from Christmas to Fat Tuesday, when you begin Twelfth Night, it is the period that they would talk about with sin and no hope. Then you begin what's called Ash Wednesday, the time of sacrifice and the hope for all mankind. There's the connection. You look at what's going on first, Thessalonians chapter four verses 13 and 14. Look at the time before Fat Tuesday. It says verse 13, "But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. All right, so that's the period of time before the dividing line at midnight on Fat Tuesday. Look at the next verse, verse 14. It says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with those who sleep in Jesus. So there you have the dividing line, the day of fools. You have no hope, so let's have a great time. If there's no hope, then let's just have a debauchery. Till the period at midnight, everything stops. Then we go into a point and we believe that Jesus will save us from all the sins from the from all the period leading up to that time. 1 John 1 9 says this: if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Absolutely amazing. In other words, let's sin, 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 the greatest of the sin, the king of the fools, because see, when you get here, he's going to forgive us anyway. So let's sin. All right, so that's what you're looking at behind Mardi Gras. Sin gives way to repentance now at this dividing line. Let me show you how. In the belief of, of uh, what Mardi Gras is in the uh, Christian churches. Bourbon Street closes at midnight. This is the only time of the year, by the way, that Bourbon Street actually closes. They actually shut it down, and you see the street sweepers coming in and picking up all this trash and filth. By the way, the success of Mardi Gras is measured by how much trash it picks up. It's not, I'm not making that up. The more weight in the trash, the more successful Mardi Gras is. That's how they measure their success, by the way. At midnight, Rex is the king of carnival, meets with Comus, the king of the festivities, and brings Mardi Gras to a close. And at that moment, at midnight that it shuts down, Mardi Gras becomes Ash Wednesday, and the church is open for the absolution of sins on Mardi Gras. So on Ash Wednesday, you'll walk around, you'll see people wearing ashes on the head. This is where it comes from. This is the beginning of Ash Wednesday, which follows the day of Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday. This is not made up. This is really indoctrinated into religion for society. So now, that leads me to the second question that we left you with from last week. From what scripture... All right, what scripture does this misapplied biblical principle of biblical truth of Mardi or Fat Tuesday, come from? So if we had that, if we had that little sound, we could do that, that little song that, you know, do All right, so what does it come from? Believe it or not, <laughs> and you can't make this stuff up, it actually comes from a biblical principle in the Bible that's misapplied. right, the concept of Mardi Gras is, here's the concept, as sin increases daily, it peaks at Mardi Gras, right? We just showed you that. It comes from Romans 19 through 21. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, and so by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, and where sin is abounded, grace abounds much more. So here's the theory. If we sin, God is magnified in His grace by His forgiveness. Therefore, if we sin more, He's magnified more. The more we sin, the greater is His magnification of His glory. And so it leads up in Mardi Gras sinning more and more every day so that God in His zenith is magnified through the greatest of our sins by our sins. That is not made up. This is where Mardi Gras comes from. All right, in verse 21, So that sin reigns to death, even so by grace reigns through the righteousness unto eternal life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sin reigns unto death, Fat Tuesday. Grace reigns through our righteousness, Ash Wednesday. Now that's a fact. This is the biblical principle that's been perverted, that promotes enough truth to keep this Mardi Gras season going in the churches today. All right, that's it. That's the foundation of where we're at. Look at Daniel 9:27 says, It says, And he shall confirm the covenant with, one, with many for one week, and in the midst of the week shall he cause the sacrifice of the oblation to cease. So I began looking for the question, Why did the Catholic Church choose Tuesday? You you can't find, you cannot find in history anywhere on the Bible why they picked Tuesday, why not Monday, why not Thursday, why not Friday, especially Saturday, why not Saturday? There's nothing found. They'll tell you the history has always been Tuesday for this reason or that reason, but they don't ever tell you why. But this is the reason here. Because there had to be enough truth to counterfeit God's plan because Jesus Christ was cut off in the midst of the week the ashes is Ash Wednesday, which is the mist of the week or the middle of the week. You get it from the understanding the biblical truth is the only explanation to why you have Ash uh, Mardi Gras Tuesday and Ash Wednesday because he, he has to pervert the actual truth of God's plan. All right, so there you have what's going on. Now, that doesn't answer all the questions now. I'm going to give you one more question today. Now, if you saw our sermon today, Saturday, I gave you the answer already. So you got the answer. So if you saw that, you'll know this answer. But if you didn't see that sermon, when we, when next week I'm going to come back. We're going to answer this question. The, the biblical mystery of Montegraw hiding in plain sight. What is it? Now, I gave you a lot of information today, but I didn't give you what's been hidden in plain sight. So if you didn't see that sermon, you might find it online. And we're going to mail it out next week. But in the meantime, we will cover that mystery next week to conclude Mardi Gras in the biblical connections to Mardi Gras and the hidden mystery. All right, Praise to the Lord and shout up from the housetops. All right, that's it for our program today. Be sure to tune in every week. There's a lot of information and it's happening very, very quickly. And we're doing our best to try to help you stay informed of all the information weeding out the wheat from the chef. Till next week, remember, tell everybody you know to watch the program. They're gonna love you for it, or not. Till next week, God be with you. All right, that's it.